0: Psalms chapter 34, verse number one I will bless the Lord at all times. Man, we can just stop right there and just shout for a little while. I will bless the Lord. At all times. Not just when life is good. Not when things are going right. Not when you just got food in the cupboard or got money in the bank and all the bills. I will bless the Lord when I'm in the middle of a storm down in the valley when my life seems to be going in disarray. Everything's coming against me. I ain't gonna still bless the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my... ain't, Ain't that something... His praise shall be continually in my mouth. You should have walked to the door tonight praising God. You should have been shouting the praises of God when you walked in the door. Why? Because he says, I will praise him continually will come out of my mouth. Amen. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. I want to get to this verse O oh, magnify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together Amen. let us pray Father we just thank you tonight Lord just ask you to touch hearts help us to be what we need to be and Father we just praise you for all that you do Lord we just come tonight to just lift up your name and to magnify your name to exalt your name and to boast your name Lord that's all we come to do tonight Lord just to praise you Father we just ask you to touch each one here tonight help us to be what we need to be in Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. Amen. David is the author here uh, of this psalm. Psalms thirty-four is one of the mo- is one of those psalms that a lot of preachers quote from. It's the Psalms that stands out. Verse number one, I will bless the Lord all my times. His praise shall be continually on my mouth. Verse number three, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. Verse number six, uh, The poor man crieth and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his trouble. Verse number eight, He says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. Verse number 13. uh, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking out. Verse number 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are brokenhearted and saved such as he the contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of all them. This is an iconic song. It's one of those st- Psalms that just stands out. To, when you hear a preacher preach on these verses, you, you know exactly where they're coming from. You know exactly what they're They might not have to tell you what verse they're in. They might not have to tell you what there is. But when they speak these verses, you know that's David. That's David magnifying the Lord. That's David exalting the Lord. That's David telling everybody ought to get together and let's just praise the Lord tonight. Amen. That's what I want to get to. There's some things about this uh, uh, Psalms that I want you to notice. First, there's the present hardship. Here, the hardship that is present in David's life, I want to highlight in your mind, even though David is living for God, serving God, doing all that he can to be right in the Spirit, trying not to get bitter towards Saul. He's already been anointed king by, by the right he is, by anointing he is the king. Uh, but yet David finds himself in hardship in his life. We find the Bible refers to it back to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21. That is where, when this psalm takes place. He writes it when he goes to King Asia, of the Philistines at Gath. Because Saul is trying to kill him. So he said, let me yoke up with y'all. He didn't want to go with Saul, so he said, let me go over to the Philistines and let me just yoke up with them. But all those Philistines uh, uh, had had not forgotten 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, They had not forgotten that little boy stepping out on that battlefield, taking that little sling and that rock and throwing it and knocking down their champion. They hadn't forgot about it. They said, hey, uh, uh, this this is uh, David. He is a killer. David, he's something wrong with him. David can do this, and let me just say, you don't want to join up with this guy, King. He's, he's, a, he's a killer. They start talking about killing David in 1 Samuel chapter 21. The Bible said that that's when David started acting crazy. David started acting crazy. He scrambled at the door, scratching at the door, and he spittled down his beard. He was spitting down his beard, and they said, uh, uh, that man is crazy. And he ends up getting away from them. That is the context where David writes this. He ran out of his country and his king, and he runs to a pagan king, And they don't even want him. His life is one big hardship. And just because you're going through hardships, listen to me. Just because you're going through hardship doesn't mean that you're living for the devil. It doesn't mean that God is not working your life. God uses those events in David's life to make David who he will be later in life. Amen. Many times, hardships are stepping stones of God trying to take you somewhere that you cannot get there without going through those hardships in life. Amen. Don't quit during the hardships. When the life seems to be knocking you down, just don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. During the hardships, God is forming something in your life that He can use. He uses the trouble, He uses trials, He uses hardships, He uses the thorns on life and burdens of life. He uses all those things to shape you into what God would have you to be later in life. So we see David's hardship. Then, then we see his personal homage. Look at his personal harmonies. Look at all the personal pronouns of verse number 1 and verse number 2. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Here we find David in spite of all his hardship and all the things he's going through. In spite of his, fact, that he's running from uh, two enemies. He's running from the king of his country and he's running from the pagan king. Uh, In spite of all that hardship that David's going through. And right in the middle of it, he paused and said, I got to tell you what. I got to tell you what. They will, knock the, will not knock the praises out of my mouth. Uh, they will not mean, not work the worship out of my life. Uh, they're gonna, I'm telling you, I'm just going to stop, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship God, no matter what's coming after me, no matter what I'm facing. I am just going to praise God. Some Christians, when things are not going right, they won't testify, they won't sing. They won't praise God. They sit around with a pooched out lip and the arms crossed and just dare somebody say a word to them because things are not going in their life like they should if they think it should be going. The circumstances of life should not dictate whether you worship or praise God. Amen. The problem is circumstances have robbed them of their shout, robbed them of their joy, robbed them of their peace and life. Because they allow it to. One week they can come in shouting, praising God, and everything going good. And the next week something happened. They stump their toe. They come in and all mad about it. Can't shout. Can't sing. So why is David praising the Lord? Why is David facing this hardship, going through this trials in his life, and he don't know which way to go? He's got two kings after to kill him. Why is David blessing him all the time? Continually keeping his praise in his mouth. Always making his boast in the Lord. Why is he doing that? Because he realized it was only God that got him to where he's at now. David's not boasting in himself. He's not saying, God, look at what we have done. David realized that it had had to be God and God only to get him to the place that he was. Some Christians are like this. They're like the ant and the elephant that crossed the bridge. They started across the bridge and they got to the other side of the bridge and that ant looked up at the elephant and said, Hey, we sure did shake that bridge up, didn't we? No, ant, you didn't do anything. That's what some Christians are like. Look what we did, Lord. Look what we have done, Lord. Look what I have brought myself through. I'm just fortunate enough to be involved with what God has brought me through and where God has taken me. I'm fortunate enough to be blessed to what God is doing in my life. It's not me, it's just I'm walking with Him, and He's leading, He's guiding. And he's allowed me to see the things that he's done in my life and not only in my life but other people's life. He's allowed me to see those things because I realize it's not me getting myself to where I'm at but it's God directing my life and bringing me to this very moment, this time. Amen. That's why David is praising the Lord. Maybe some of us ought to stop and think, you know what, you are right where you are because God has brought you to this place already. Amen. God has brought you to right, this very moment, God brought you to right here. Amen. We find there was a plead for help in David. Look how he went from personal pronouns to a public plead, needing some help in verse number three. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Hmm. That ought to get you. Let us exalt yeah. His name yeah. together, yeah. together. Sure. David is wanting somebody else yeah. to help him praise the Lord. He is tired of being alone. He's blessing alone, boasting the Lord alone, worshiping alone, walking alone, weeping alone. He said, "You know what?" What I really can use tonight and what we can really use is I need some help. I'm at this point in my life that I can need some help to worship the Lord, to worship the Lord. I could really use some people at this point, David said, just to get into this thing with me. See how, God, how good God is like I see how good God is. And all of us together just make our mind up. We're going to magnify the Lord with me. We're going to let us exalt His name together tonight. We're fixing to head into revival and we're going to have to have singers and we're going to have a preacher here to preach the Word of God. Listen to me, one man cannot do it we live in a day where we want somebody else to be on the platform to sing the song and we want to sit there and watch them magnify the Lord. We got a preacher to come and all we want to do is sit there and watch them boast in the Lord. We've got We want to sit there and watch them get excited about God. Watch them do the things of God. We want to watch them exalt the name of the Lord. We want to sit there and watch them. You know what they're saying? They're saying, hey, I need some help in this thing. It doesn't matter the style of preacher, what he's preaching, as long as he's preaching the word of God, he's saying, I'm preaching the word of God, I'm lifting the name of God up, I'm exalting the Lord, I need some help in this thing tonight. Hey, when the singers get up and start singing in the spirit of God and they're singing their hearts out, they're saying, hey, I need some help tonight. Amen. Well preacher i I just can't get excited about that i I just can't get all all excited about it. Let me ask y'all mothers here and grandmothers here. When your first child was born, did you go? Well, he's here. <laughs> she's here. Yeah. well bless your Moses. <laughs> Grandmothers, and I know this one. At first, grandchild comes into this world. How many say? Oh well. No, you got excited about it. You you got happy about it, and everybody. And everybody knows that you were happy about something. They've seen the excitement in your face. They've seen something in your voice. There's something different about you. We drove for eight hours to see how I was the day I was born. Amen. Yeah. There, there's, there there's some things that we get excited about. And there's just some things we just don't get excited about. And I'm afraid one of the things that we cannot get excited about is praising the Lord. We we want, we wanna sit in the pews and say, preacher, preach the word. I wanna watch you, watch you anoint the Lord. I wanna watch you to worship the Lord. I wanna watch you exalt the Lord. I wanna watch you oppose the Lord. But I'm not gonna join in with you. But I'm telling you tonight, if we wanna that's not revival. Can I say that is not revival? That is not revival. You need to jump in there somewhere along the line and say, Hey, I'm just going to jump in there with them and I'm going to start praising God. I'm going to start boasting the Lord. I'm going to exalt Him. I'm just going to join right in there. I'm going to show them I'm excited about God today. Amen. Amen. That's what David's saying. Oh, let's magnify the Lord. Let's see what he's doing. Let's get together. Let's watch. Let's lift the Lord up together. Let's boast the Lord together. So we see David, his personal homage. Then we see his his, uh, uh, plea for help, asking somebody to help him. Praise the God. Preaching tonight on, why don't you just help? Why don't you just help? If we're going to have real revival, we're going to need to have some help. And I'm talking about some people, not just to recognize the style of the preacher, the sound of the singers, but look beyond that. Look to Jesus that the preacher is preaching about. Look to Jesus that the singers are singing about and lift up what they're saying about God. If we start magnifying the Lord, listen to me, exalting His name together. The Bible says we're two or three together. Together in His name. He said, I will be in the mist so why don't you just help why don't you just get involved I, and you say well I, I, that's not my style well you know what if one night you just let go you might find out it is your style how do you how do you get how do you get, how do you go from the point of well just coming to church to the point where, praise the Lord How did he get from one point to that point? Well, first of all, David says, I need help in examining him. Examining him. Verse 3, he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. He said, I need some help magnifying him. The word magnify means to make something big. It means to take something that is normal and it in you where you're, it's bigger in your knowledge and bigger in your perception and bigger in your eyesight. And let me say this, you do not realize magnifying does not make the object actually bigger, but it makes it bigger in your perception and what you see. But when you magnify something, you can see the intimacy details of that object you take something put it under the magnifying glass and you can see all the all the little details of that item that you put it on what happens when we start magnifying the Lord is when we start lifting him up you know what happens he gets bigger in our eyes he gets bigger bigger in our perception and we start looking less in his eyes. we start worrying less about our problems because we got focused more on him uh, we start less looking at the things that uh, so wrong or uh, about what somebody else is doing what so and so is doing we start looking more at him and he gets bigger in our life we stop worrying about everything that's going on in life because now we magnify him and he takes up all of our perception and our eyesight and our knowledge David said, I need some help. Magnified means to examine something. Check it deeper. When you go to a doctor, amen, you go to a doctor and get an exam. They do all kinds of weird things to you. I don't like it, don't desire it, but I know I got to go. They examine you. And they take your blood pressure, they take blood, they look in the ears and look everywhere, everywhere you got a hole, they're looking at it. Well, I'm just telling you. They examine you from one end to the other end. They're looking at you. I don't like it. Don't desire it. But what they're doing, they're trying to find out if there's anything wrong with you. Amen. Amen. They're trying to find out if there's something that's ailing you, that's causing some problems in your life, in your body. Now, it'd be really, really smart if I go to the doctor and say, Lord, here, doctor, bro, verse 6, I so want you examine me and see what's causing him to be sick. Now, that just don't make sense at all, does it? That don't make sense for me to go to the doctor and say, hey, something's wrong with him. Check me out. It might help him. No, that's not going to help him. The thing it is, <laughs> listen, when we start magnifying the Lord, examining the Lord, we'll forget about everybody else and we'll Start looking at him. Amen. And let me just say this. Mm-mm-mm. You looking at me and me examining you and me, I'm examining you and you examining me. It doesn't change anything in our life. It does not help me. It does not help you. But when you start examining the Lord and start magnifying Him and exalting Him, it starts getting bigger in your eyes and your mind, your knowledge and your precepts and all that. And now you start looking, and guess what? He will start helping you. Whatever's wrong in your life, whatever's going wrong in your life, when you start examining Him, it will help you. Amen. And that's what he's saying. David says, I need some help in magnifying the Lord. I need some help in worship. We need to examine God. Let me just say this. You can examine God. You don't have to go anywhere to find God. You can't go down to Walmart to find God. You open up the scriptures, you will find God. When you start examining Jesus and you start looking at him, it will start helping you. He's the only one when you start looking at, listen, he's the only one when you start looking at, he'll help you out. Amen. Amen. Whatever the problem is in your life, he will help it out. A lot of Christians are looking at themselves and going, oh, woe is me. If we stop looking at our problems and start looking at him, we forget about what's wrong with us. In fact, if you start examining him and looking at him, he might just find a cure for what's going on in your life. Amen. I I find that uh, Isaiah saw the Lord and examined him. and says, how wonderful he was. Isaiah said, looking at him, said, woe is me. I'm an unclean man. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the tabernacle. I find when Peter It was near the Lord and saw him taking in that big haul of fish in chapter 5 of Luke and said, I am going to make you fishers of men. When Peter got done examining him, he fell down and said, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. The closer Paul got to Jesus... The worse Paul began to look in his own eyesight. Amen. Hey, that, that would be a good thing to look at. The closer you get to Jesus, the worse you start looking in your own eyesight. He said, That will help me and walk with God. Check out Jesus, magnify God, lift him up, examine Jesus. And the more you check him out, the more you examine him out, it will help you out tonight. You know how you examine Jesus. Don't go to Hollywood and get Hollywood's perception of who Jesus is. Jesus Christ, superstar. They got all these weird movies out there proclaiming Jesus is all this weird stuff. No. You want to examine Jesus, get into his word right here. You find his word, you get into his word. Bible said his word is like in a mirror. It's going to show you things that's wrong with you. The Bible said His Word is like a lamp into my path. You have to examine Him through the lens of the Word of God. The more you check Him out through the lens of the Scriptures, listen, you can't look at Jesus through the lens of Hollywood. It must be through the Scriptures. He can still be found in the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, everywhere in between. Jesus is in the Scriptures. You've got to examine Him. God moving our revival because we're examining Christ and we're getting closer and moving closer to Him. Looking for Him, longing for Him, desiring Him to move in our lives. That's what Paul, uh, David is saying. He said, I need somebody to help me to examine Him. He said, somebody help me to exalt Him. Verse 3, O magnify the Lord with me and let us Exalt his name together. To exalt something means to lift high above, where nothing else is above or beyond. To make it where it is preeminent spot and everybody everybody can see exactly what you're lifting up and what you're praising. I fear that we're living in a day in church world where everything's starting to lift it up by all kinds of sorts of things. It's not the word of God, it's not the scriptures of God. Well, we're lifting up everything in the world except God. We begin to hold up personalities. We begin to hold up preachers. We begin to hold up singers. We begin to hold up establishments. We're holding up ministries. We're holding up the name of the person who started the ministry. We're holding that name up. We're living a day where the ministry is called by the name of the person who started, not Jesus Christ. What about Jesus? I'm not interested in getting my name out in the public. I'm not interested in having my name where people will hold it up and say, oh, look what he's done. I have not done anything. I haven't done anything. I'm looking to get the name of Jesus Christ to hold up. I'm lifting his name up high. It's a holy name. It's a hated name. You stand at the big event and open up your prayer and close your prayer in the name of God and they'll all go right with you. Or any other name, they'll all be all right but you stand up in the name of Jesus Christ and open up in Jesus Christ and close in Jesus Christ, brother, that name bothers people. That name gets people upset. Hold your place here and turn to Acts chapter 4. It's a hated name. It's a hated name. Watch how hated the preaching of this name. The name causes them all kinds of problems. They, they hated this name. They were constantly trying to tell them, don't you preach in that name. Acts 4, verse number 2. And being grieved that taught the people and preached through Jesus Christ the resurrection from the dead. Verse number 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Verse number 12. Neither is the salvation any other, for there is none other name under the heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Verse number 18. 17. Let's go 17. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us strictly threaten them that they speak henceforth no to no man in this name. Verse 18, they called them and commanded them not to speak or, or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse number 19, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God or here unto, hearken unto you more than that, unto you God judge ye. For we cannot speak the thing that we have seen and heard. Chapter five. Look at chapter five. Verse number twenty-eight. Saying, "Did did we not straitly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intended us to bring this man's blood upon us." Verse number twenty-nine. Then Peter said, and the uh, other apostles answered, and said. We ought to obey God rather than men. Hey, when they preached the name of Jesus Christ, it got people upset. They did not want to hear that. It is a hated name today. Amen. I'm telling you what a name of an entire society is scared of. The councils, the high men of God, the high men of this country, of this earth, are scared to death of this name. They don't want you to say nothing in the name of Jesus today. That name draws fear. That name draws praise. That name draws faith. That name draws anger. It's a powerful name. It's a preeminent name. It's a persecuted name. It's a precious name. It's a pardoned name. It's a peaceful name. It's a perfect name. Satan cannot stop this name. He tried to wash it out from the face of the earth. With every blood of those that preached it. And proclaimed it. And yet here we are tonight. Jesus. Jesus the sweetest name I know. We're preaching and lifting up the name of Jesus. The Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That name. That name. You cannot get rid of that name. You can put him in the fire and he'll walk around. Praise God. You can't, you can't put him in the ocean because all he'll do is just walk on top of it. You can't get rid of this name. What a name. What a name. The name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Amen. You ought to leave out of here tonight lifting up that name telling somebody about Jesus. That lovely name. We're about to go into revival. We need to help to examine him and exalt him. And we need to help to experience him. He is more than somebody that I tell you about, he is something that you are to have. You have to experience him. Verse number eight Oh, taste and see. When you taste something, you. When you see something, you'll see this. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. You've, you've got to experience it. I wonder how how's your spirit, spiritual taste buds are tonight. Here, here's the problem why some people will not get to nothing out of revival because they're hunger and thirsting after this world and they're full of the things of this world and not coming and looking for anything from God and never going to get nothing out of revival. They got the junk of the world in their heart and the junk of the world in their mind. They come to revival and the preacher cannot get it out of them. They cannot experience God because they're full up on the wrong things. We went to a fancy restaurant one time down in Florida. I think it was on Valentine's Day. Think it was. It was a fancy restaurant. I mean, I couldn't read the writing on the the menu because I didn't understand what the theft was. But they brought out an advertiser. And you sit there and you eat that advertiser. Then they brought out something called Sobat. I bet you thought I was going to say Sobat. I may be country, but I'm dignified. (laughs) It's, It's like shaved ice cream in a cup. I ate that stuff, that stuff was good, so bad, whatever, yeah, I didn't know, I'm in a restaurant, they hand me this stuff, eat this, why, to clean the pilot out, there ain't no pilots in here, no, clean your mouth out. You might have coffee or smoked or whatever you have done it's in your mouth, and it's supposed to clean your mouth out so you can taste what the meal tastes like. Now, I like that stuff. I ate a couple other people's stuff because I thought that was some good stuff. They oh, I said, me, give me that here. I'll eat it. It tastes like ice cream. That's shaved ice cream. But I was eating that stuff up good, man. But what it does, it, it cleans you out. It gets your mouth refreshed or it get all that junk out of your mouth that when you start eating that meal, you'll taste what the meal is about. Can I say this? What we need to do for revival is we need to come through the doors of the church, get the junk out of your life, get the world out of your heart, get the world out of your mind, say, Lord, i am come here. I just need you to clean me out. Uh, so when I taste you, uh, I'm going to taste everything good about you. I'm just going to get a hold of you. And I just want to come to magnify you, glorify you. I've come here. But you got to get yourself clean of the world. Walk through the door. Lift your head as say, Lord, here I am. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Revival. They need some help. I'm telling you, needs need some help. Je- Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I'm talking about experiencing him tonight. Have you ever tried to get anybody to eat something? Oh, Oh, here I go. I'm I'm getting ready to get in trouble here. People know that I am set on certain things to eat, and they're dead set against some things I just will not eat. In fact, I just say, I don't want to sit near you when you eat it. Can't stand it. But you ever tried to get anybody to eat something they had never had before? You try to encourage them. Hey, taste, taste of this. Uh Uh-uh. Uh uh-uh. uh. I ain't gonna eat that. But one night in, in Germany, she got me to try, try some fried rice. I said, All right. I was over at some friends' house. and said, Well, come over to eat tonight. I know Teresa's in the hospital. Come over to eat and I said, Okay. Not thinking she's Filipino, she's gonna make some stuff I ain't never had before. So I went and sat down and she brought that fried rice in and Some, and, uh, I don't know what you call it. They call it egg rolls, but they're that long, about that big around. I don't know what they were they was uh, and I'm looking at it going how am i gonna get out of here not taking a bite it was just him me and her how am I going I, she says this plate in front of me like first of all I can't stand rice <laughs> here's this stuff looking up at me I'm, I'm thinking about it. all things went through my mind what can I say I'm sick I, you know, since Teresa can't eat, I, I'm not gonna eat and I'm gonna I'm gonna fast with her and all this stuff running through my mind. My friend said, dig in. <laughs> <laughs> I <don't> want to. <laughs> I, I can't. So I took my fork. And I know they were looking on mm, mm. I tore it in that meal like it ain't eaten in a year. That's some good stuff, girl. (laughs) Make some more. But you can't get anybody to eat something or taste something they ain't never tried until you encourage them. You've got to encourage them. But you'll never get anybody to taste something that you're not excited about. You're not excited about it. I mean, uh, I can cook you a steak and lay it in front of you, and I'm sitting there going, is he going to eat it or not? But if I'm sitting on the other side of the table cutting up, "Mm, mm, mm," you're going to say, I'm going to get a hold of that. You'll never get anybody to taste the Lord if you're walking around pooched out lip crossed arm. and said will not you come to church with us we have a great time no i don't want what you got i don't even think of that i i just you know if you go up to somebody and say look here we got crazy people down there in our church and i do mean crazy about that song says only crazy people serve god and love god We got a house full of them down there. There's some crazy people down there. They shout, they praise God, they love God. Won't you just come down and try it up down there? We got families start coming in here, and they said, hey, we like that. Because somebody got them to taste and see that it was good. Amen. I'm just telling you, the the singer's going to need some encouragement. The preacher's definitely going to need some encouragement. And we don't need to be... It's not me up there. I'm not the one preaching during the revival. So please open your mouth and say something. <laughs> say, hey, praise God. Thank you sending him here. Get excited about it. And other people see you excited about what God has done in your life. They're going to want a part of it. Amen. They need the encouragement. You need to experience God. You'll never never know what other people's got. You'll never know what other Christians got until you experience what they got. And when you experience what they received, oh, I imagine some of y'all might just get up and run around the building. Amen. if If it gets a hold of you, what God, what God has done for you, where God has brought you, and where God has taken you. We died upon the cross for you. He shed his blood for you. He didn't have to. He could call the legion of angels down. He could come off that cross. He could say, No, uh, I'm not drinking that bitter cut. I'm not taking their sins for them. Lord, just Father, just let them die in their sins. We're being held today. But thank God he loved us enough that he came and bore our sins on a cross and said, I love you this much and died on the cross. That ought to excite you. That ought to get something down inside of you burning. Thanking God. Amen. When it comes to Jesus and walking with God, what the psalmist is saying i wish y'all could taste what i've tasted i wish y'all could experience what i've experienced you know where david's at when he writes this he's in a cave and all the people back home that was in debt distressed and discontented they're all are in this cave with david <laughs> I want you to see this, and I'm going to close. They're in this cave, and they've got King Saul out of them, the Philistines out to kill them and everything. And David writes, says, oh, taste the Lord and see that he is good. All these men are there because they're in debt, discontented, depressed. And David's standing around, hey, guys, it ain't all that bad. You taste the Lord. You experience him. He'll change your outlook. And that's what Dave was saying. Hey, look, I, I know what you're thinking. I know what you have being. I know you've been de- dispre- depressed. I know you've been discontented. I know that. But let me just say this. If you experience him, it'll change your outlook. Amen. Now, I imagine some of us could say right now, I, I experienced him and it really changed my outlook of life. Amen. Amen. If you can remember that part when He changed you, (laughs) you ought to just shout. You say, "Thank you, Lord, for what You've done for me." Amen. David said, "I need some help. We need some help for revival. We're only having it Monday through Wednesday, Sunday through Wednesday. Make an effort to be here every night." you come and you let the world outside and you come inside here god will start blessing you you'll get excited you will remember where you were and what god has taken you from and where he's taking you to you will get excited and you'll start shouting with the preacher amen. when the singer starts singing you'll start shouting with them because they're magnifying the lord they're exalting his name they're boasting about jesus christ and that's what we ought to do here why don't you just help us why don't you just help us tonight amen